every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, where we hit the highlights, the big news, the opinions across the Zone Sports Network, whether it's Hanson Scotty, DJ and PK, or... Occasionally, the big show. Uh, you ready to roll, Gordo? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's start things off with Hans and Scotty. Our good friend Craig Bowler Jack uh, was uh, was on their show. In fact, Bowler's going to fill in for me. I'm uh, taking the day off tomorrow, Gordo. Bowler's going to come in for. We, you're going to get extra Bowler tomorrow. I believe he's coming in at three o'clock. So, uh, big thanks All to right. him for uh, for doing that. Looking forward to hearing it. But here's Bowler talking about uh, the NBA and the number of positive tests. Well, Scotty, I saw it myself personally, March 11, OKC, when really there was nothing uh, that we knew. It was it was all new. Uh, we're, we're plowing new fields, right, at that time. And had no idea what to do, where to go. And Quinn was cool, cool-headed. Uh, he had a way of handling our, our traveling group uh, with information when needed. And I saw it firsthand. I felt confident, comfortable. Uh, I told him it was cool and calm leadership, and that's uh, that's what you need, and that's what the Jazz received on that night in, in Oklahoma City. And we got back the next day, and you know, so far we're we've been trying to work our way back, and then of course other hurdles that that have come our way, the country's way, and and um, you know, I think Quinn showed a lot that night, but even yesterday showed me even more, uh, just the way that he understands, I think, the situation at hand, his ability to communicate. And also, I think he's got a player uh, in Donovan Mitchell that he, those two can work closely to help bring ideas um, to the forefront for individuals, for all of us uh, to hopefully understand and learn. Uh, because I think he's on the same page of what needs to be done. Uh, Donovan and him have a very good relationship, which will only help. Bowler, two great pieces of news coming out from the NBA. Number one, they're testing, and number two, their agreement between the PA and the NBA, the official agreement. Uh, Let's start with this. Over 300 players tested, only 16 positives getting ready to go into the bubble. Just your thoughts on the testing process and the positives that were found. More or less than you thought? Well, better than I thought, to be totally honest. It's less than one-half percent. So 16 of 302, I think the league has to feel really good with those numbers as they start to, uh, you know, put teams back on the floor and make uh, travel down to Orlando. I think the Jazz yesterday got word, uh, what, July 7th, uh, uh, they will uh, arrive in Orlando and start the, the, uh, the process, the bubble uh, quarantine process. But, you know, to, to have only a half of a percent of your players, that's promising. Uh, so that's, a, that's the first good news, the first step in, in getting the season back underway. And I think, again, what I found and I knew was obviously going to be at the forefront was the, the Players Association and the NBA agreeing to make sure that 
the Black Lives Matter um, continues, the message continues to, uh, to be made during the time and beyond in Orlando. And how that will be done, I'm not sure. What, how the television networks, uh, local networks, uh, will be involved with that as well. But I know that was an issue. The players want to continue the momentum. Uh, and I think we've gone too far to turn back, guys. Yeah. And so um, that's great news that the league and the players are on the same page and they understand the need to, to continue to, to message uh, everyone. And I believe that was probably the last sticking point to make sure that the players were guaranteed exactly that. All right, there you go. That's Craig Bullerjack on with Hans Scott earlier today. What do you think, Gordon? Well, I'm no mathematician, mathematician but I, I I think 16 out of 302 is is not less than 1%, is it? Uh, no. Didn't we work out the math the other day? It's around 5? Uh, anyway, uh, but... The way the NBA is setting this up with the uh, with, with the uh, you know the testing, and it's all s- sort of set up in a way that it'll be done in an organized manner. You, you take that person. Did you read what Dennis Dodd wrote about college football today? I did not. Uh, I mean, that just seems like it's totally jacked up. What did he write? Uh, well, the way the NBA is doing it is is organized and. Uh, I think you can rely on it as much as we can rely on the testing. College football has uh, has no real organized way of going about its testing, so I don't. I, that seems like that's very much up in the air and kind of a mess. The NBA, I think it's as as fortuitous, as organized, as as uh, as safe as as any sports entity could go about doing its business. I think so too. Um, I think that number is uh, is manageable. How's that? Because I, uh, there had to be some nervousness that if that number were higher, it would mean that they'd have to make some difficult decisions right off the bat. You know, we've talked about it for a while that this has kind of been an inch by inch process. You know, going back to when it shut down in March and a little itty bitty steps uh, along the way. And this was, you know, the initial testing coming back. That was as big a step as we've had, right? And so for that to be manageable, I, I think, is good news because the point of the whole exercise is to mitigate risk going forward. So it's it's more controllable now. So I think that, that it's important that that number wasn't higher. I'd, we asked, I think it was, did we ask Howard last week, you know, what if there is a threshold and what that would be? And he said that, oh, it was Sam. That's right, it was Sam Amick. And he said that Adam Silver pretty much dodged that question Mm-hmm. Anytime it was it was uh, it was broached, yes. did they both say something along those lines? So yeah. you know, the, I don't know what that number is, Gordon, but there's that number's out there. So it, I think it's important that that number wasn't hit. And I I would think he, Austin said it was five point three percent. That's that's not bad. That's not bad. If it were fifty percent right. or something, I mean, then they'd be they'd have some tough decisions to make. But that's certainly manageable. And it's manageable, and it's as controllable as possible under that scenario. Now, I, I do understand there's some leaks in that bubble with the Disney employees coming in and out and all that stuff, but I, I there will be a delineation between them and the players, I think, in a way that uh, may mitigate that to some extent. As I talk about, I, you should read what Dennis wrote today. I thought it was... He was on top of it with college football and how jacked up that that whole thing is. 
And uh, I think, I th- if I'm not mistaken, I thought I read in there that Clemson has had 37 players test positive. Uh, yeah, that number definitely was uh, stood out a little bit. But but focusing on the NBA for a second, uh, real quick, because you said uh, mitigating to a certain extent. Let's let's give the NBA credit. They're they're mig- mitigating almost mitigating too much not to go back to a conversation <laughs> we that we again. had a couple of weeks ago. No, but, they've but, done they've done everything possible, right. Jake, and and it's uh, and I feel confident. Yeah, yeah, I feel confident moving forward with what the NBA has done. It's not possible in some sports. But for the NBA, they ha- there it is. It's going to happen in front of us. And if people what, what, get it, which they probably will, I mean yeah, that's that's the risk. That's the risk they're running. That's the risk we all run. Um, I know you know some of us are are. It's easier to you know stay in the same place uh, than others, given uh, you know job and that sort of thing. But uh, you know we're all at risk. There is no possible way outside of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal bubble boy style. To mitigate 100, percent and I I agree with you that the NBA has done all that they possibly can to provide uh, a safely mitigated environment for their players. More so, even again. But I, the only thing they could have done that they haven't done is force those Disney employees to be to to be bubbleized as well, which they really can't do because they're yeah. not NBA employees. Indeed. So and and you can do some mitigating work to keep the employees separate from the players as well. I mean, it's but you know you say there's still leaks in the bubble. Well, of course, you know unless they actually do a biodome, there's going to be leaks. But but I mean, there is a bubble and there, there is protection there right. that is not possible in other entities. So yeah, I again I tip my cap. I've said that for a long time now, Jake. I've written it. I said it, and, and I believe it. And so we'll see where it goes from here. What will happen if someone does test positive? Well, then they will go through their protocol from that point. But um, immediately uh, they'll go to the footage of the ping pong table to make sure doubles wasn't being played. Now, here I am complimenting the NBA and there you are making fun of them. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Sorry. I didn't didn't mean to make the fun. Uh, but whatever, you know, as long as people, as long as people feel comfortable, that's that's what matters. I wonder what will happen if, like LeBron James or somebody like that gets it. Uh, you know, <laughs> will those guys rather rather literally have a bubble around them <laughs> because they're so important to what their teams are doing? Uh, if anyone gets close to LeBron, would, well, I mean, I I, I think he's going to try and keep his distance. I don't know. Maybe not so much among the players. Maybe there's too much peer pressure for guys to stay completely away from everybody. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. And, you know, that's something I haven't really thought of that much. What happens after this season, Jake, if there is a solution found to, to this COVID-19 situation? When 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 everybody gets back to what is supposed to be normal again, will NBA players isolate themselves more from rank and file and from fans because of this experience they're having right now? Define rank and file. Just everybody, everyone around them that isn't a family member or a close friend. No, I don't think they're going to do that. No. You think they're? Do you think they're going to be back to normal? Yes. 
boy, I tell you, I don't know. Once once you hit this into someone's head, into their being, into their thought process over and over and over again, I wonder if they will be more standoffish than than NBA players typically have been in the past. I just think be, uh, just because of this, just because of this experience. I think a, a young, well-off male in his twenties is always going to go try and meet women. Gordon, I don't think they're going to say, "Oh, I remember COVID nineteen. I'm not looking for a date." I don't. I don't think that's going to. happen. But how about your average fan that comes up and says, "Can I have your autograph?" They'll use it as an excuse to be a jerk. I don't uh, know. Sure. Yeah. Probably. I don't think that's going to be about fear of COVID nineteen. Uh, well, what you said is not really talked about that much, but, but, but what, but it is, it is what it is. <laughs> what are you That somebody that somebody in their early twenties would want to go to the bar no, on a regular yeah, basis. No, it's just the whole relationship thing. Who were we talking to with last week? It was the first person that brought that up. It was Locke, and he wasn't the first person that brought. No, that it wasn't up. Locke. It was someone else. Lock, it was Locke. I assure you, it was Locke that brought up the the whole intimate relations thing. Yeah, I thought it was someone else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I mean, but it is something that that is a fact. Like I said, they're, they're not going to. Uh, they're not going to change their ways in that regard, I don't think. The collective they. Well, certainly after everything's back to normal, they're not. If if things do get back to normal. What do you mean if things do get back to normal? I don't know. I, it's going to be a while. Right, but not, you know, 30 years. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, this is this is my point. Just because you're not going to be social once, ever again doesn't mean that somebody else isn't. No. Once we get through this period, I wonder if players who are used to sort of isolating themselves from from folks, uh, whether they will be more likely to isolate themselves, sort of uh, because already. Uh, half these guys have entourages, you know, of, of people they trust. And, and it, once you're on that inner circle, then you're okay. But if you're on the outside and you approach one of these guys, I wonder if they, you know, that six-foot rule will stay in effect. Not because of their fear of COVID-19. No, but that's that's not that was never part of my question. It was it, because they don't want to be bothered. Yeah, yeah. So, gonna... so John Stockton was just ahead of the COVID nineteen right, just yeah. just fan interaction. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's my point. That's what I'm getting at here. No, I not... think I think I'm pretty confident that NBA players will go back to normal. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll see. Again, just because you're not. Um, Going to the bar anytime soon doesn't mean that uh, an NBA player is never going to do that again. Well, I don't mean in those settings. I just mean in the general sense of fans trying to get close to these guys. Well, you know, I'm not a world-famous celebrity like you, Gordon. How are you going to handle it? Uh, no, I, it's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> when it's, you're it's... mobbed by your throngs of fans. Next time no, you, uh, there's, there's no, there's what no are you going to do next time hey, you get a whoa, fan hey. later from Casey Kasem? <laughs> easy, easy there. I don't uh, Not at all. No, no autographs did, today. Please. Didn't even begin to think that. All right. Here's uh let's go to DJ and PK. Here's uh, them reacting to the NBA, letting players put statements on jerseys. 
Uh, reports are the NBA will allow players to put social justice statements on their jerseys in place of their names. Please give us your reaction. Uh, Clint, who cares about their opinions? That, that doesn't <laughs> shock you. Uh, it's uh, BS. We don't watch sports to get political views. We watch to enjoy the game. That came from Matthew. Uh, that's not surprising. Um, the uh, <laughs> Then this one uh, from Andrew. Will the NBA then allow players to promote human rights for those in Hong Kong? Let's start there. You knew that was coming. You are not surprised at all. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second here. I'm still waiting for Steve Kerr to tell me what he thinks on that. Not yet. I mean, uh, the Rocket Rockets GM got all sorts of heat on what, what was it? It was very. It was only like a three or four word tweet, Stand right? With Hong Kong, yeah, it came from. Is that what it was? Yep. Daryl Morey. Yeah. And at the time, that was There's the biggest thing. Now we've had mul- a- multiple biggest things since then. Yeah, I think that it's interesting, the whole concept, obviously, and it's certainly controversial to a degree. It's up to you to decide which degree. Uh, you know, the professional sports leagues and individuals, but more so the leagues, I think that uh, they've got to be careful on allowing folks to express themselves, but also not turning off people because it is about whatever sport you might be playing. But they're individuals, too, and have their beliefs and and feelings and motivations and all that stuff. Uh, What do you do to allow them to express them that doesn't cross the line? Because it it is a job. Now, on their own, obviously, Donovan Mitchell can pretty much say whatever he wants. And it doesn't matter whether I agree with it or not. Who cares whether you agree with it the way I look at it? Uh, he should have that right to express himself, as he's done multiple times on Twitter. I don't think what he said is outrageous, but some people get offended by that. But at once the league sanctions it, it seems like that's a little bit different. And, you know, what's it going to be? Uh, what is your social media, uh, or uh, not social media, but your social statement stance? You know, obviously the Black Lives Matter, is that's an easy one. You can put that out there. Uh, but how far do you go? Yeah, uh, there'll be other stuff. I mean, LeBron has already said that there's a lot of issues to work on. I can't breathe. I mean, there's there's a bunch of catchphrases out there. Yeah, but he said the first thing he wants to work on is getting people to vote. So someone is going to have register to vote. That's not the one that's that's going to drive people crazy. No, not at all. So suppose uh, rename uh, John Wayne Airport. (laughs) <laughs> that is a thing. Orange County. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, we, how far are you going to go with this? And the, and how much are folks going to get turned off? I made a, like you with the soccer, you made a conscious decision. And by the way, man, the ladies league, <laughs> person on non grata. And I don't care if it costs me my career, DJ. Jake Scott and I were enjoying a laugh about that the other night. We, we were enjoying a laugh over that uh, text conversation with uh, with DJ and PK. Uh, what do you think about uh, what they're talking about there, uh, Gordon? Uh, the NBA has definitely been um, encouraging of free speech from its players, but not on all subjects. That does make well, it that does yeah. make it delicate. It really does. I encourage these players to voice their opinions and say what's on their mind at every turn. I don't. The thing about putting it on a uniform, though, is what happens if somebody puts an, an opinion on their uniform that is objectionable to the majority? 
That would be an issue now, wouldn't it? What if someone had don't vote? What, what, what if somebody had something that we found that mo- by we, I mean, most of us would see that and go, what is that? Where are you coming up with that for? That's, you know? that's the danger of all yeah. of us. That, that really is. That's, that's the hard part. That's what PK was, was getting at. And you know how I feel about the uniform. I've talked about that in the past. I think that is a rallying point for the community. And, and so I, I, don't li- I really like what they did with the Qualtrics thing, five for the fight. Terrific. But if you start putting messages on there that are, quote, unquote, controversial, then, then what, do you, what, do you, what do you say to the fan that disagrees with whatever the opinion is? And, I'm, and what if the opinion is objectionable? Then are they going to block certain opinions but not others? See, this is all very delicate. What if, uh, Gordon, I know something you're passionate about, uh, the mask-wearing situation. What if uh, somebody put on their uniform, don't wear a mask? Yeah. Yeah, see? What would you do? <laughs> what would your reaction be? I think you're an idiot. And, okay, what, what would it be? Would you, would you advocate? Thank you for that. Would you advocate censorship? I wasn't asking for your opinion on whether masks are good or not. I was asking, would you want to sen- would you want to censor that player? Would you encourage uh, Premier Silver to step in and and uh, uh, and silence that speech? It's like, it's like I told my kids growing up. You know, I wanted them to learn to think for themselves and to speak for themselves and to have strong opinions and 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 I thought that was a great idea until they started disagreeing with me. Right. Right. You know? And then it's like, wait, this whole free speech thing. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I told you to think for yourself. What was I thinking? So, yeah, what, I, what do you do? I, I mean, what do you do? I, my if, personal opinion, I think there's better ways to do it than to put it on a uniform. As much as I, you know, I've been, I'm on the record. I'm, I, 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 I think people should speak their opinion and speak, speak it loudly. But I don't know about putting it on a uniform. I because now are you going to censor it? So what if Daryl Morey wanted to put "Stand with Hong Kong" on his whole team's jerseys? They they wouldn't let him do it. I mean, he's I, the general I, manager of the team. Do you think they would let him do it? No, I don't. That's why I think this is all hypocritical. Yeah. So I uh, I mean maybe provide a way that individual players can express themselves in a way that's not the uniform or just it all goes yeah, I, or, I, or it's just everything goes. And if somebody says, uh, don't wear a mask on their uniform or then you don't approve of it, well, you're just going to have to live with it. So, because so, once you start censoring some, then all of a sudden that's right. why the Hong Kong situation was so delicate yeah. because really he was speaking out for human rights. And all of a sudden everybody in the NBA goes, shut up. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, because there's so much financially at stake, you, you know, so that's the NBA has painted themselves into a difficult corner. So in my opinion, if I were giving Adam Silver advice, I'd tell him, I'd just say, listen, everything's got to go or everything goes. Not everything's got to go. Excuse me. Everything goes. If you're going to let just, people express themselves on their uniform, which I actually think is a good thing in this circumstance. Well, then you're going to have to live with somebody who says something you don't like. Yeah, see, I, that's why I wouldn't encourage it. I, I would I would not approve that. Because of that very thing. Uh, what if if Dennis Rodman were still playing and he said he wanted to put Kim Jong-un's name on the back of his uniform, 
or right. some kind of pro North, uh, North Korea kind of deal. What what are you going to do with that? So you I say, oh wait a minute. We, 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 yeah, we think in theory this is a good idea, but we don't want you expressing your opinion here. See, that's why this, this is where the all or nothing crowd really, really has a, a point, though, because you can say, okay, well, you can't express yourself with a uniform, find a different way. Well, what does the vehicle matter? If you're, if you're essentially, what, find a different way that uh, expresses the message that I approve of? Yes, because the Black Lives Matter thing is important to a lot. It's important to the league, and it's important to to. I mean, I anybody who doesn't get behind that, I, I just don't know where they're coming. It's hard for me to think of any kind of objection to that. Now it may exist, but you know, most reasonable people would tell you, yes, that's something that you want to put forward uh, in the league. It would be in the league's best interest, I believe, to do that. It's not in the league's best interest to have these wild, crazy opinions expressed that will divide the league and divide fan bases left and right. See, I, but I don't think you can have the middle ground you're looking for. Like, do you, that, that's well, yeah, a, you that's can have a, a, you can have a you can have a commercial. You can have something where one of the players is saying, uh, the, is stating the importance of voting. Or the importance of Black Lives Matter. So you can do that. I think with most people thinking right on you know that's terrific okay so what but, if but if you start having if you you know and so then you can avoid the hey it's my own personal self-expression you know those players who don't want to participate in that kind of campaign don't have to but those who do they can do it and they can do something uh that's positive they can do something that that, that is helping the community our country as a whole in my opinion and probably in their opinion but I don't want to see anybody get up there and, and start promoting fascism. So it's okay as long as you agree with it. Yes. The speech, yeah. It's okay to express yourself but as long as, the, as, long as talking, Gordon Monson agrees with I'm the not, message I'm, that I'm you're sending. Talk, I'm not talking about the uniform. I'm talking about if you want to do some sort of uh, public service spot or something like that, then if they want to do that, then yeah. But that's that's why I'm not going to open that billboard up to everybody and anybody who wants to say anything no matter how out there it might be just to prove a point if i were an nba player i'd muster up the dough and make a do not wear a mask commercial and tell them to put their money where their mouth is it's like it's like somebody said the other day i saw it on online somewhere said you know i'm having a tough time deciding I have the best epidemiologists in the world, the best medical researchers in the world, the best physicians in the world saying, wear a mask. And then I have a bunch of my friends from high school who barely passed their science classes telling me not to wear a mask. What should I do? Hmm. Gordon, you understand the the reason I brought that up was the... I know how you feel about that. <laughs> and so the idea is, do you let somebody express a viewpoint that you disagree with? And your response was no. And then explained why, again, you think wearing a mask is a good. Well, idea. I'm, I'm I know I'm talking about on the uniform. So what if, if, as far as as far as a player ponying up money, come on, that's just not practical. Nobody's going to do that. All right. Well, what if instead of masks, what if the message they wanted to get out there was it's pronounced Porsche? <laughs> Uh, would you shut they, down that speech too? They could be wrong if they wanted to. Would you yeah. censor that? 
if if they wanted to get that message no, out to the world? No, I would not censor no. that. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll have more coming up next. In fact, we have a, a clip from Hans and Scotty uh, that we didn't get to. We'll get to that straight ahead. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at ARUP Blood Services. The 4th of July weekend, it's going to be busy out there on those roads, and ARUP wants to be ahead of the game. Hanson Scotty will be out at their Sandy location on Thursday, uh, broadcasting from 10 to 2. They are open from 10 to 7. They'd love to see you. Visit utahblood.org for all the details. Gordon, uh, let's get to a cut we didn't get to in what's going on. Uh, it's from Hanson Scotty who uh, are answering the question, what you were wanting to see when you watch golf. Why are there not more creative courses that that draw the eye of the consumer to want to watch the course beat the golfers? Well, it, that's a really good question. I imagine if we were to get Brian and Bob on, they would talk about there's a fine line between a fun, demanding course and then putting a clown's head above the... You know, like making it too over yeah, the top. Yeah, like what's that line? And because, yeah, you're right. I want the course to be front and center. Like it's a battle between a golfer and a course. And and that's the fun part about golf. And that's why the Masters is so much fun. That's why there's certain courses out there like Pebble Beach uh, and, and the scenery of it yeah. that, that is just so majestic. And then also how it plays. And I think that's kind of the fun part of watching how this thing plays out in some of these courses. And so, yeah, you're right. If you're designing a course, you want to make it challenging, you want to make it fun, but then you don't want to make it over the top to where people just think it's, you know, okay, this is ridiculous. There were a couple of holes that were really beautiful to watch on there. Yeah. There was a par four that you had to, it was a 406 yard par four that kind of dog leg left, came up over the ridge, and then it dropped down to two different water features to a little secluded green. That was a pretty sweet, sweet hole. It made me think, too, this is why I don't like the British Open. Oh yeah, the British Open. You can't. You just just looks like a wide open grass field. It looks like a pasture. It's not green because they don't water it. It looks dead. It just yeah. It looks disgusting out there. It, it, it makes it also makes me wonder why the U.S. Open doesn't do a better job of selecting their courses. Yeah, I mean there was a U.S. Open at a place outside of Seattle that was looked like a British Open. It was horrible. It looked awful. The grass was all burnt out. Yeah, but I'm I am enjoying it. Um, you know, I, I almost got to the point where I believe, like when I go to if if you I don't know how many people out there go to rodeos, but when I go to the rodeo, I always root for the livestock. Like I, you I want, wa- you want that bull yeah. just to. I want the bull to win. I want the horse to toss him. I want the I want the ki- the little. The little calf to get away off the roping. Like, I, I love when the livestock You want wins. that clown getting propelled th- into the third row? I'm getting to the point now where I, I kind of want the golf course to win. Yeah. Because these golfers are so good. At times, Dustin Johnson made it seem a little bit boring at times. At the U.S. Open, though, the golf course always wins. Yeah. Always. 
Some of these well, courses, just, these, some of these courses, they just don't do them like that. But the U.S. Open, you know, they're gonna about win even the par, winner, even par, if not like two, three over. Well, that's that's the question because after a while, you get people on after a U.S. Open said, "Well, I'm no, I don't want to see a prof- I don't want to watch a golf tournament where a guy wins at plus one. I don't want to see that. I want to see a guy with complete command of the golf course." And so you get that back and forth. Do you want the course to win to where these guys look like a bunch of weekend hacks? Or do you want to see uh you, you want to see a guy course and look like he's essentially Zeus with a with a golf club out there? <laughs> I don't want to see the golf course harder. I hate the US Open. It's not any, I want to see birdies. <laughs> Why would I want to see an athlete struggle? Not I never, me. I never understood. I that. want them all to be suffering like Kevin Na. Every hole, sixteens on every hole. See, but but then why don't you go get the lawn chair, head down to the Muni on a Saturday, and enjoy guys, watching watching right. those folks hack it up? Because that, that's those a great guys. Point. That's because that's what they, that's what you see on the golf course every time you go play. Right. Yeah, but so, John, they, that works at Walmart, making thirty thousand a year, it's not fun to see him suffer. It's fun to see Ian Poulter suffer. It's fun to see Dustin Johnson lose three balls in the water, which he didn't do this weekend. Fine, and there's Man, plenty of so that in every golf one. tournament. When that, when that ball just, just what's the term they use? Plugged right in there next to the green. He thought for sure it was going in the water. See, you get plenty of that, though, with a normal golf tournament. You also want to see somebody play well and score birdies. Not me. I like both. I mean, I like it when they're burning it, and uh, I, I really enjoy that. But I also, I, I like having a couple of uh, occasions where it's very difficult for them. Yes. And that's why I have no problem with the U.S. Open courses growing up that rough. Although some people say, well, if, if a pro golfer, if one of the best golfers in the world can't do anything with the ball other than just chip it out onto the fairway, that that's, that that's not overly entertaining love but. watching uh, pros chip out onto the fairway <laughs> oh it's what i pay good money for are you kidding i like them who both. doesn't love that i like to see uh, him melt down and oh, lose you're their crazy mind i want to see cry. birdies i want to see them do I their thing that guy henrik stenson when he got so mad he slammed his club and it stabbed him in the forearm <laughs> that was a great day but see you get that at golf tournaments because not everybody shoots 10 under just no, the but, best. So you actually fly get the to private some, jet there. You get to this see some is, birdies. This is, this is what I like. I like when it's high risk, high reward. If a, if a player is going to take a chance, I want him to feel like he can take a chance. Uh, but if he doesn't come through with a really good shot, then I don't mind seeing him punished for it. But I don't want to take away all hope. Otherwise, they won't even they won't even attempt it. Because then that one bad shot leads to another, like Kevin Na on the hole that we just heard. In fact, now i got a hankering to hear that. That's always entertaining to me. But but I, I like them both. And by the way, those guys ripping the British, I mean, the Open Championship, come on, guys. Not And I love golf courses. I love the way they look. I, I, I especially like them when I don't have to play them, if they're really. But but I like I like playing them, too. A lot of them. It's just beautiful. It's a thing of beauty, and I do like watching that. But the but the Open Championship is different. I have no problem with having one or two courses that look like a cow pasture. That's fine, because they're, every bit is difficult. They're just difficult in a different way. 
I remember the exact tournament where I came up with, I decided this opinion about the U.S. Open. The exact one. It was 2004. It was the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills. Oh, I love that golf And course. Retief Goosen won. But if you go back and watch how tough the greens were at that particular U.S. Open, nobody could keep the ball on the green. Nobody. <laughs> nobody. And I can't remember what Retief's final score was. Uh, won a total of oh, four under. A four under 276 won it all. But, like, what fun is that? I, I want to see somebody get a birdie. I don't want to see uh, the ball roll off the green so he gets to seven iron bump and run it back on. That's stupid. <laughs> I, I love their face when they get a snowman on a four. That's the Austin, face I want to see. I, I have a question. What is it? What, what, what's burning inside you that you want to see people suffer like that? Not, not people. Those type of people. <laughs> that make what? What? Good, a, 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 a kajillion dollars and everything sucks. Those Why? people. Ian Poulter, what? who They're makes, the... he's got the net worth of the king of Norway, and he complains <laughs> about the peanuts on the plane, his own private plane. That guy deserves to shoot a 16 on every hole. Yeah, but that's not everybody. He complained that he had to watch his kids for 20 minutes because the nanny was late one time. That guy deserves really? to fly into the water. Yeah, but he's not, really the, he's the, not the only late. one playing the golf course. You got a bunch of other guys out there, too. Might be really nice people. I think 90% of them are just like Ian Poulter. <laughs> and then there's the Tony Finau that I want to see get a hole-in-one on every hole. But he's suffering on the same course as the other guys are. But I don't like to see him suffering. I like to see Ian Poulter suffer. What, a, what about when uh, he dislocated his ankle? How'd you feel about that? He he went on, Oof. didn't he? And had a yes. great tournament at the, at, the, uh, at the Masters. Finished 10th, yeah. I enjoyed that. Did not enjoy him injuring his ankle, but I enjoyed him being tough. You know what Ian Poulter would have done if he injured his ankle? He would have sued Augusta. <laughs> That's what Ian Poulter would have done. Isn't it a little bit depressing? Oh, I can't get to the driving range for 22 minutes because my nanny that I pay six figures a year is late. They're your kids. They're your kids. (laughs) Is that the way he talks? I had no idea you hated Ian Poulter this much. That's really funny. Really oh, I, I got no time for people who won't watch their own children. That's that's like compa- like Gordon complaining about uh, Tom the Pooper Scooper if he misses one dog bomb. <laughs> you pay, uh, you pay Tom all, six Tom, figures. Tom, Tom the Pooper Scooper did a fantastic job. He, he did. I had no complaints about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, uh, I I do. I, it is a little depressing to watch Dustin Johnson shoot nineteen under. On a course that would probably kill us, you know, I that, that, I want to see really good golf, but I don't want to see it that good. Yeah, at least he's married to an ugly woman. Oh wait, wait, a, a course that might might kill us. We're not we're not juggling <laughs> chainsaws. I would. You know what? They need more of that though in golf. More chainsaws. You think they should anything. put it like booby traps in the middle of the course? Yes, or something? quicksand. One of the traps is quicksand, but you don't know which one is. <laughs> and the other one's mind. <laughs> oh yeah, the ratings will go sky high there. All right. uh, yeah, I- Ian Poulter was uh, you know swallowed up by Mother Earth. <laughs> no one has seen him since. Oh, too bad. We have a Mountain America market update coming up next. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, Frank Dolce at four o'clock. Chris Mannix at five. Uh, more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ooh. 
he might be right back in the same spot. We could be here a while sorting this out. Kenny, just give me another ball. I have no idea what you have. I don't know. I'm, how are we going to count all the shots? I have no idea. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Time for another Mountain America market update. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, he's our friend TJ Walk. What's happening, TJ? Hey, guys. How you doing today? We're doing terrific. How do we start off the week in the markets? Start off positive. So uh, the Dow and the S&P were both positive today. A lot of the news that you saw coming out today was pending home sales for the month of May were up roughly 45% compared to April, which uh, beat the expected rise of 15 from month to month. So the Dow finished up at about 580 uh, 580 points positive for an almost 2.5% gain. And the S&P finished positive by almost 45 points, about a 1.5% gain. So things started off on the right foot this week for us. Do you recall a time when from day to day it's been sort of this up and down? Never. I can never remember a time when it's been as up and down as this from day to day. But there's a lot of opportunity there, and, and having a, a good plan will will navigate you through these kind of times. So. Well, we appreciate it, TJ. Thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah, guys, absolutely. Have a wonderful day. Back at you. Yeah, you too. There's our friend TJ Walk from Mountain America Investment Services, and that is another Mountain America Market Update. The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed, and loss of principal is possible. Uh, nice when we get off to a, a good start in the market, Gordon. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That's good I news. Like, yeah, I always like to hear that. All right, well, and, the mar- and the market seems to be doing better right now than I, I would have predicted. Well, it, uh, it's, it's rebounded from where it was, that's for sure. That's nice. Yeah. Because yeah, that wasn't good there for a minute. So. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we're going to talk to Frank Dolce coming up next, Gordon. We'll talk to him about uh, his thoughts about the college football season or what it might look like uh, coming up and talk to him about the Utes. They landed uh, – uh, big recruit running back or got a commitment from a big recruit running a running back over the weekend. Yeah. To Florida. You know, that's, that's really why, you know, Gordon, we've been talking about what style, style of offense Utah should run under Kyle Whittingham. And that's why I think they should, should really do more of a pro style, big 10 type offense. Cause man, they've gotten good running backs over the years. Well, I mean, just some you, real talent. Yeah. Look at it. And usually the offensive line does a good job creating openings for those guys. So. It's like it's like USC. You get the, the best running backs in the country. You've produced them for decades. So I have a good idea. Let's bring in an offense where we don't run the ball. That sounds <laughs> terrific. Let's do that. 
Let's bring in a a throw-it-around-the-yard kind of offense because you know what's worked for 100 years. Let's go away from that. (laughs) Uh, That didn't work out so well. Well, so far, we'll see. Would Would USC be your pick right now to win the South? Uh, probably. It's probably them or our boy Herm, right? Yeah, and the Utes could have a chance, but if they do, then then I then all bets are off because uh, if you lose as many guys to the NFL as the Utes did this last year, and you're still right there in the running for the South, then you either have one hell of a program or the division in which you play is. Down, down, down. See, that's the one right there. If, if you were to say that Utah has a chance in the South next year, I think it will be because of the other programs, not necessarily Utah. <laughs> yeah. USC well, will have underachieved, and maybe Arizona State battles some injury issues, or, or really, you never know. But I don't think – well, I don't think Utah is going to be near as good as they were last year. And yet, you look at the recruiting classes, they seem to be getting better and better. Still, you know, you got to develop that talent, though. Mm-hmm. Well, you do, and the Utes do a good job of that. They do, but I mean, you know, usually the Utes are really good when they have a ton of upperclassmen, and they're good, you know, when they when they don't, but not when the division good. We'll see if the Utes were really really good this year. If there is a season, and they they. Uh, they're anywhere near uh, the top of the South, then you've got to give. You've got to say, man, that program, if it hasn't arrived, it has floated to a position now where it it has not been in the past. Uh, after what they lost this last year, man, that would be quite a statement. And like you said, maybe the South sucks. <laughs> I mean, SC has not been what you'd expect SC to be, and maybe that's it. Yeah, but, but this year um, the maybe the, they hired the wrong, extended the wrong coach. Maybe, maybe this year with USC they 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 do, according to you, have the next John Elway at quarterback. I never said that, but they do have themselves a fine young talent. But you did in the column. I remember it. I, I did not compare him to John Elway. Okay, Dan Marino. Fine. <laughs> I didn't do that either. Come on. Well, then I, I would imagine you'd pick USC then because they've got Slovis. I, 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 as if I had to pick right now, I would pick SC. Slovis for Heisman? But I'm not overly impressed by the coaching staff there. Has Slovis so, already earned your Heisman vote? Did he get it last year? No, he did not. Nor did I imply that he did or that he would. <laughs> what about your daughter's vote? <laughs> <laughs> she liked Slovis too, right? That was one time, and she did all kinds of research. I still cast a vote. But she did a lot of the legwork on the study, and she compiled all the statistics. And then I said, "Okay, make an argument." And she made an ar- argument, and I went and made some adjustments, and we went from there. I don't remember any adjustments. And by the way, they gave you the vote, not her. <laughs> yeah, but hey, a lot of people have have staffs. <laughs> staffs. You know? How many Eisman voters have a staff? 
don't know. There's got to be some. Didn't Ooh. they take it away from you after that year? Uh, I think they took it away from me after a year where I think I didn't vote or something ah. like that. But then I got it back <laughs> and have Aaron, done it. Aaron uh, forgot to vote one year. <laughs> <laughs> and don't be telling me that my dog picked one year. That is not true. My dog picked the Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers the year that they won all their road games on, <laughs> during the playoffs and came back and won it all. That was that was not the Heisman. So yes, Slovis already has one Heisman vote. So that that's your staff, your daughter, and your dog. <laughs> it's a crack squad. Well, the, year, the year that my daughter did it, she she you guys, I mean, she went. She spent five six hours. I'm sure she did, and I I'm sure that she made a a really good point to take it seriously and put in a lot of work. And the person that was given the vote by the Heisman uh, Foundation should have done so. But he didn't. He made her do it. Oh, well, no. That's, it doesn't matter how it happens as long as it gets done. And <laughs> she did I think all it does kind of matter and how it happens. Like, and it's not like she was 12 years old. I mean, she was a college student. Again, none of this I don't it, think is relevant. Who made a project out of it. And then I used my judgment to come in at the last minute and decide whether it was good or not. So she put I, in it, hours it, it worth of work. You put in seconds. No, it wasn't like They didn't give these, her the vote. Well, doesn't say these, Slovis. It was one of these deals where the head coach turns it over to the SID and says, here, don't bother me with that. I just vote in the poll. You no. did exactly that. No, no. Yes, I you said did. She, she was really interested in college football and was studying all these players. And I said, okay, you study them out, and then you tell me what, you, what your, your research says. Then why didn't and they then, give her the vote? Why doesn't she currently have a vote? How do you know she doesn't? I'm pretty confident on that one. Unless she's she, still doing your vote. No, but I still had the final say. But uh, supposedly so, the Heisman people are giving you a vote for a reason. Right. My judgment. And so that's what I did. At the, at, at no, the, because I, they, I, they, I they to, believe you're qualified to cast a ballot. I and know, if they I, felt I, the same way about your daughter, she would also have a vote. <laughs> Yeah, but see, it had to go through me in order to get on the ballot. Okay, so let me let me ask you this: If let's say uh, you're at a doctor's visit and uh, you've got a a fairly complicated uh, surgery, all right, and uh, the doctor comes in and he says, "I've I've selected uh, my daughter, <clears throat> who is uh, 16, but has has put in a lot of research. She's interested she's, in surgery. She's gonna she's gonna do the surgery, and I'll just come in at the last minute and give it a." Quick, what for? Make some adjustments, as it were. <laughs> Things are going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Be like, no, you know what? Uh, you were supposed to remove his gallbladder, not uh, not give him implants. <laughs> <laughs> that is the worst analogy I've ever heard. No, it's right on the money. It's because no. you entrust the doctor to do their job. The no. Heisman people are entrusting... No, no. You, the writer I, and sportcaster, no. to do your job, I, not to I, not to hire a 16-year-old or however. I don't know how old Aaron was at the time, but whatever, your daughter. 
it was more like a, a Supreme Court justice having his clerk do some research and then him coming in and reading through the research and then using his judgment to make the right decision. But you see, just by the nature of the clerk's job, they're qualified to do that sort of thing. They're not. Oh, they're oh. not. The Supreme Court justice does not call up their daughter. <laughs> hey, honey, you think you can write out this decision for me? I know. I know you've taken uh, you've taken uh, entry level communication law. You've seen Matlock a time or two. So if you could write this out, that would be well, terrific. See, here's what you're forgetting: is that through the whole season, I had been watching uh, college football, and so I was very well aware of what was going on. But I wanted her to dig down into the nitty gritty and find out all the statistical data so then the the proper decision could be made. Mm, uh, you know, you try to justify it, but I don't think I don't think you're whipping a lot of votes God, here. I wish I had a staff. <laughs> or I wish and by that I mean several children. I wish I had a job e- easy enough I could farm it out to my teenage daughter. <laughs> she was a teenage, she was a college student. Come on. How many of your columns have you farmed out? None. Well, I don't think about that for Let a me second. call Cragsler briefly. No, I've never, I've never had anybody else write my column. That's not a bad idea, though. You had your dog do it once. I don't think Joe would be real wild about you farming out columns to your <laughs> children. <laughs> oh, man. No, never done that. But I could say, hey, honey. I, I, I could say, hey, will you do some research for me and, and bring back those results, and then I'll uh, I'll write from there. Have you ever done that? Mm, not that I can remember. Not right now. Mm. Just on that one Heisman vote. Mm. That didn't sound very convincing. Have you ever had them, like, type out quotes for you or whatever? I have had uh, quotes and had, thoughts uh, and, and had, sentence and paragraph no, form. I, and had a, I, I had a daughter once transcribe notes off of a audio recording because huh. it was for a, a huge feature, and I didn't want to go through and do all that, so I paid her to, to transcribe the notes. And Aaron, while you're transcribing, why don't you throw some stuff in there too? Throw a little content in between there, and uh, Daddy will be napping. I'll tell you one thing. I I trust her judgment more than I might trust a couple of accusatory <laughs> fellas I work with. That's actually pretty wise. <laughs> I would trust her judgment better than ours as well. You probably trust hers more than you trust mine. Yes. When it comes to, to sports, I hope not. That's Gordon's expertise. <laughs> I, I don't know. know. She I put hope it, not. She put in a bunch of work. Gordon just watched football. If it came down to, uh, you know, designing a nutrition and exercise program, then yes, 100%. But when it comes to analyzing the uh, the what's going on with the Utah Jazz, I would hope, hope that your your word would would be more relevant than hers. It didn't happen the way you're twisting around. It, it, she, she helped with some research, and then I cast the vote. I didn't say, honey, yeah, just mail that in for me. We- Frank Dolce's daughter coming up next. Stay, t- <laughs> stay tuned. We're going to see what she has to say about the youth football team coming up this fall. Stay tuned. I, I hope she's done her research. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.